Let's go to the book of Hebrews. Uh, if you will, turn to chapter 1. Uh, chapter 1, verse 1. So bring your Bibles Wednesday nights. We're going to go through this. We're also going to have discussion and uh, uh, glean what scriptures are telling us. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. Now, this is a letter written to whom? The Hebrews. Who are the Hebrews? The Jews. All right, sons of Heber. Uh, Abraham was a son of Heber. That's where you get the term Hebrew. And so the sons of Abraham, those who are physically born through Abraham, he had Isaac. Isaac had Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons. Those 12 sons became 12 nations, and that's Israel or the Hebrews, the Old Testament, the Old Covenant people, who were to prepare the world for the coming Messiah. And uh, some did and some didn't. So this is a situation where the writer of Hebrews, and for 15 centuries it was believed to be Paul, uh, higher criticism says, well, there's, there's some things that maybe it wasn't Paul, but it's definitely a student of Paul, could have been Barnabas, uh, some believe, um, but it definitely has phrases from Paul. And it has Paul's theology all throughout it. So uh, we trust it to be apostolic. And so the writer of Hebrews is writing to this group of Jewish believers. They're Messianic Jews. They accepted Jesus as the Messiah. But in doing that, they then got rejected by the Jewish families and people of, that, of the vicinity that they're living in they're rejecting him because they've accepted messiah jesus as messiah and so they're also being persecuted by the roman government for accepting jesus as the messiah then there are christians or christ followers so they're getting hammered uh, and their life is going through a lot of difficulties and they're trying to think should we go back to our old ways or should we stay with jesus and this letter, this epistle, is trying to convince them there's nothing better than Jesus. You can't go back. Jesus improved. In fact, Jesus completed. You, there's nothing to go back to. And so he is the completion of where you were. And I want to say that to you. I want to bring all these arguments, all these points into your life too. There's nothing to go back to. Kennedy, there's nothing to go back to, right? Nothing to go back to, right? I mean, we came to Jesus because we finally figured out we can't do it on our own, and I don't want to go back to where I was. There's nothing better than Jesus. Jesus is better. So the writing starts out like this. God who at, diverse God who at sundry times and diverse manners and time past spake unto us. That's the King James. I, I remember that. Alexander Scorby. Okay, long ago... And at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. And we got that in, in the Bible, right? All the different ways the prophets spoke. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He's the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. 
After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high and having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. And we're going to get into that after we go through these comparison to angels. We'll come back to that. That thing's pregnant with a lot of good stuff. Amen. So we'll come back to that. But what he's going to say is this. The first thing the writer's going to compare Jesus to is angels. Is Jesus better than angels? And so let's listen to his argument. For to which the angels, for which did the, uh, which of the angels did God ever say this to? Right? You are my son, today I have begotten you. Did, it, Jesus, did, did God the Father call any angel his son? No. no. All right. They're classified as sons of God, but not the son of God. Okay. Sons of God is a classification for angels in the Old Testament because it means they are direct creations of God. All right. We in the New Testament are classified sons of God. We've been given the right to be called sons of God because we have been born or created each one of us uniquely by God's spirit you've been born again birthed by God you now have the authority to be called a son of God and we are in Christ Jesus so the relationship Jesus had as the son of God to the father is now our relationship too we're co-heirs joint heirs with Christ Jesus so whatever Jesus has from the father we have too that's crazy, and that's above the angels, all right? So when did God ever say to the angels, thou art my son, today I have begotten you? Now what does begotten mean? Did he create Jesus? Was Jesus created by the Father? No. Mormons believe that somehow the Father had celestial sex and Jesus was born. Jesus is the eternal Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was God, and the Word was with God. What does it mean to be begotten? It means to issue forth, to come forth, okay? So Jesus was never created. He was always the Word of God with the Father eternally. Begotten means He was issued forth from the Father into the physical creation for us to know God, all right? When did God ever say this to angels? I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. No. All right? And this is language for us to understand the dynamic because in a Hebrew mind, the son of a father is of the same nature. All right? If a cow has a baby, what's the animal? A cow. cow. All right, did someone say a bear? I could have sworn I heard it over here. Help them out. All right. If two cats have a baby, what's the, what's the nature of that animal? It's a cat, same nature. So the concept of father and son means that they are of the same nature and same essence he's not trying to say one's greater than another it's of the same nature and in the hebrew mind that's exactly in fact that's why they wanted to kill jesus 
because he said he spoke to his father God and said he was the son. And it says they tore their rent the the uh, garments, uh, gnashing teeth, and wanted him dead because he likened himself equal to God. Well, he just said he was the son of God. In their minds, they understand that means same nature, same being. All right. So he didn't say ever say that to any of the angels. Verse 6, and again, when he brings the firstborn into the world. Now, wait a minute, we got to stop a minute. Firstborn, hey, I thought he wasn't born. Here we are, the firstborn. The firstborn is a title. In Hebrew culture, firstborn means he inherits all of his father's will and purpose. And the firstborn speaks on behalf of his father. It's a title, it's not a description. So when it says he is the firstborn, it means he has authority over all that was created. And by the way, who created everything? The Word, Word, Jesus. Nothing was created that was created without him, the Word. Okay, so he created it all to the Father, and that makes him the firstborn or the one in authority over all creation. Okay, now, and again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, did the word of God become flesh into the world and dwell among us? It was begotten. It's the begotten word of Jesus, firstborn, the one of authority in the physical realm over all the earth. He says, let all of God's angels do what? Worship him. Now, is there any references in the Old Testament as to who you're supposed to worship? Who? God only. And only God. Now, does God say he will share his glory with another? No. These are specific verses in Exodus and in Deuteronomy. That there are no other gods beside me, Isaiah. And he'll share his glory with none other. Why in the world would he have angels worship a created being if Jesus was created? Yeah, because Jesus is not a created being. He is the Word become flesh. He is the Word of God. He is God of the same nature and substance as God. And so he commands all the angels to worship. In fact, what did Satan, Lucifer, say to Jesus in the wilderness temptation? If you will worship me, I'll give you all these nations. And what was Jesus' response? Thou shalt worship the Lord God and Him only. So then why is God commanding all the angels to worship and reverence Jesus? Oh, you guys are good. (laughs) Because He is God. He is the divine Word of God. And so He is higher than the angels because He, in fact, and as a matter of fact, who do you think created the angels? Jesus, the Word. Jesus is the one who gave all things life and creation. And so, he is called Son of God because he is of the same nature as God. He is called to be worshipped by the angels because he himself and the angels were created to worship God. Let's go on. He says this, verses 7 and 8. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels, winds, and his ministers a flame of fire. Boy, talk about flamethrowers, right? 
winds, pneuma, spirits of fire. We don't think of angels as spirits of fire. We think of them as cute little Cupid babies. Get rid of all Cupid babies. Get them out of your house. You shouldn't even look at a Cupid baby. Now, I'm not getting legalistic on you, but there's no such thing as a Cupid baby. All right? And if you go in any Hallmark store or anywhere else during Christmas, every angel you see is a girl. And there's no chick angels. <laughs> there's no women angels. All right? Uh, nothing against chubby little babies or pretty uh, girl angels, but they do not exist in the Bible. The angels are flames of fire. And when they appear, they can put on human figure to appear, but it's always male in authority and in power. So he calls them servants, ministers, to serve. And he goes on, but to the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness or righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. That's a stark contrast between angel and Jesus. Angels are servants, and Jesus is God sitting on his throne in pure righteousness to rule and reign over the earth. Is there a bit of a contrast here? Okay. So we see he's the master and they are the servants. Verse 9. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore God, this is Old Testament prophecy of God speaking to Jesus, calling Jesus God. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. All right? So among all things created, Jesus is elevated as the Word of God. I will esteem the Word of God above my name. And that is Jesus Christ in authority above all things. Verse 10, he goes on and he says, And you, Lord, laid the foundations of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe. You will roll them up like a garment. They will be changed, but you are the same, and your years have no end. So he's calling him omnipotent, having all authority and all power, the creator of all things. They're calling him eternal. He will never die, never change, never wear out. These are the attributes of God himself, and Jesus is God. He is eternal. He is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. He is immutable, unchanging. All right? Heaven and earth's going to pass away. Verse 13, and to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? No, none, none. Satan rebelled trying to do these very things. Satan wanted to have authority over heaven and earth. Satan wanted to have his own kingdom. And Satan wants people under his feet. But where has Christ put him? Under our feet. If that doesn't tick him off. 
But Jesus came to put them under our feet because we're the body of Christ and, and Satan belongs below us. Now, that's pretty impressive to say. And then last of all, he says about the angels, are they not all ministering spirits or serving spirits sent out to serve whom? For the sake of those who are to inherit salvation. Angels are sent out to bring people into salvation, and angels are sent to minister to the body of Christ. When we prayed tonight, when you were asking God to move, when you were asking God to deliver and to heal, flames of fire were coming from the throne room of God, the pneuma, the wind of the Holy Spirit, but the power of angels were being released to serve the will of God on your behalf. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Angels assist those who are, have salvation. And they go forth to perform the will of God in the earth. And they will attack and they will fight against fallen angels and demons on our behalf. Yeah. Can I get an amen on that? Yeah. you got to wake up to all that's going on in your prayer life. Prayer life is not boring. If it's boring, it's because you're ignorant. No offense, but you don't know what's going on. If you would wake up, you, we can't get men to pray. I'll tell you what, man, if you begin to realize what's going on in prayer, you'll put your G.I. Joe away, your games of, of shooting other people, and you'll get into prayer for the reality of what's going on. You know, you get to be a warrior in prayer and release the power of God's spirits. They are come to serve you. So all in all, the writer of Hebrews says, Jesus is better than any angel there is. He's the Son of God, equal in nature to God. He is to be worshipped as God because He is the Word of the Lord made flesh. He is Master and everything else must serve His will till God puts everything under His feet. He's the Creator of all things and makes everything beautiful in His time. And He is Lord of lords and King of kings. He is better than any angel. So now let me apply that to your life. He is the Son of God in authority over everything in your life that you own, that you possess, that you want to have, that you want to do. He is to be worshipped above anything else in your life, more than your wife, more than your husband, more than your children, more than money. He should be worshipped and set above everything else and especially above you. And he is the master who bids our coming and our going and decrees what we should do. His way is better than ours. We're the servants to our master. He's the creator who created all things beautiful. And we're the ones who put everything into failing. And if we'll follow the creator, we'll find that our life will go much better. And when we know that he is Lord over our lives, Jesus is better than anything we choose. Amen? We have got to convince ourselves of that. We have got to believe that with all our heart. Jesus is better. Next time someone says that, uh, you know, you ought to try some of this, you go, no, 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 Jesus is better than that. Why don't you come with me here? No, 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 no. Jesus is better right here than there. Right? 
I don't need something else. I've got everything I need, and Jesus is better than everything. Now let's go back to that introduction, and let's begin to unravel who he is. Long ago, many, in many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers through prophets, all right? Those who heard the word and spoke it. But in these last days, he spoke to us by his son, or literally his word that became flesh to walk among us. I don't need a human element to speak to me. The very word of God came to us, put on flesh and dwelt among us. The Son, the nature of God, dwelt with us. Now here it is. Whom he appointed the heir of all things. Now what's an heir? An inheritor. What else? A descendant. And an heir rightfully has authority over everything that he inherits. He's an heir. He inherits. <laughs> right? And so everything that the Father had him create is his. And he's buying it back for his Father. And so he is the heir. When Jesus rose from the dead, he said, all authority in heaven and earth and below the earth has been given unto me. Now go get it. Yes. That's what we're supposed to do. Yes. Gather the inheritance that Christ came for. So he's the heir of a few things, right? No. Oh, all things, okay. Through whom he also created the world. Well, he's the rightful heir. If he created it, it's his. And he gave it to us, and we broke it. How many of you have done that with your kids? <laughs> right? I'll never forget. All right, quick story. But uh, my wife kept all her Barbies from when she was a little kid. Yeah, it's ancient. <laughs> I mean, we're talking original Barbies, right? All right. So uh, she had all her Barbies, and she was just waiting for the day she could give them to her daughters. We have three daughters, one son, right? So she felt they were old enough. She gave them her Barbies. And I'll never forget the day when they will be nameless. One of our daughters came, and her and a friend cut all the hair off the Barbies. Can you imagine God made everything perfect? First day, and it was good. Second day, and it was good. Third day, and it was good. Fourth day, it was good. And when God says it's good, there's no evil in it. It's pure, pure good. Sixth day creates man, then he creates woman, and he says, it is very good. And he hands it over to us. And we now are to guard, protect, and cultivate this creation in the physical realm for God to be his temple. We're to make this beautiful. And we destroy it. We cut the hair off of Barbie, yeah. We got rid of it. We broke it. So God comes to fix it. The one who created it all becomes part of creation to and become a man so that he can restore what man destroyed. Yeah. Wow. 
So he should be the heir of all things. And he created the world, and he's asking us then to right what our ancestors wronged. He's the radiance of the glory of God. Now let's, let's take that. What does that mean, radiance? Glory. Glory. Yeah. So you can see the sun. Well, not in Michigan. All right, so, yeah, let me think of another illustration. Uh, okay, so for a week in July, you can see the sun. And, and you can see it. Can you feel it? And what are you feeling? The radiation, the warmth, what radiates from the sun. Is it still the sun? Yeah, it is the radiating of the sun coming to us and we're feeling the glory of that sun. And see, glory means the full purpose of something. So the full purpose of the sun is to be a light and to bring light and life and heat. And we feel that radiant glory of what it is in us. That is Jesus. He is the radiance of the glory or the nature of God himself. Philip said, Jesus, show us God. And he said, look, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Every word he spoke was the Father's. Every action he took was the Father's. He's the exact representation of the invisible God. He's the radiance of God's glory. All that is God, Jesus showed to us. In fact, it goes on and says he is the exact imprint of his nature. What's an imprint? Marking? Xerox. Nobody knows what that is anymore. I was thinking about that the other day because that's what I grew up on. I need a Xerox, you know. And now people, ditto, yeah, right? N nobody knows what a Xerox is. But you know what? That's not even, that's an impress, that's a, a copy but this is an impression, yeah. Imprint. He says that he's the express image. He's the exact character of God. Yeah, I, I like, well, imprint is pretty good, but the express image. In other words, in a physical world, if you could put God in a physical world, what would he look like? Jesus. Jesus, exactly. He is God manifest, okay? And then it goes on and he says, not only is he the exact imprint of his nature, the radiance of all his character and nature, but he upholds the universe, the cosmos, by what? The word of his power. Every atom, everything within this physical existence that is moving, that is vibrating, that is active, that is alive, uh, we've gone and we've broken down atoms now. Remember, we used to think atoms were the smallest part. Now we're going into size atoms, and we're seeing the structure and nature within even atoms, and there's this activity and movement, and everything is connected. Everything is held together by the power of Christ Jesus. Yeah. We're worried that there's going to be World War III, and we're going to kill each other, or we're going to destroy this planet because of a nuclear bomb or something like that. No. This world's held together by the Word of God. By Jesus' word. It'll dissolve and it'll burn up when he says it will. Not because someone put their finger on a trigger. Now, 
conclusion. This perfect word, expression, manifestation, image, radiance of God Himself came in a physical body to die, to have blood that would spill on this earth to purify sin. Wow. Wow. God had blood to pay for the price of our sins. That Jesus would go to the cross and he who knew no sin would become sin, all of human sin. He became all of human sin on that cross. It was put upon him so that God could, by the law, pour out judgment on all sin on the body of Jesus Christ. And he would die to fulfill the law against sin. But because he himself was sinless, it broke the machine. It broke death. It broke sin. And it fulfilled the law. And he rose from the dead. And he ascended on high and sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. That is a place, first of all, and we'll get into it later in Hebrews, when you, you're not supposed to sit down in the, in the holy of holies. You shouldn't be sitting down. The only reason you sit down is because your job is finished. What did Jesus say on the cross? It is finished. It's finished. This thing's been done. Sin is broken. The veil was ripped open. We don't need an imitation temple anymore. We don't need a box to hold the glory of God. We now have access to the very throne room of God himself. And sitting next to the Father is the high priest of over all humanity to welcome us into the presence of God. Amen. So which of any of the angels ever did anything like that? None. None. Can we put that aside? Is Jesus better than any angel? Yeah. All right. So people who are seeking spirits, people get their Ouija boards out, people who are trying to find their angel, trying to find some kind of sound in the, in the uh, etherware and uh, uh, the atmosphere or whatever, you let them know that you know someone better than all that. Yeah. Let everybody know you know somebody that's better than anybody they know. It's Jesus. Amen? And He is perfection. He's better than anything else. Would you bow your heads tonight? Would you say this to yourself? Jesus is better than anything I have. Jesus is better than anything this world can offer me. I will cling to Jesus, my Lord. Amen. Amen. I want you to take inventory this week. I want you to ask yourself, what do I put higher than Jesus? I'm not talking about going to church. I'm not even talking about reading your Bible. I'm talking about Jesus face to face your relationship to Him. Now, reading your Bible, you can know Him better. Coming to church, you can feel and experience Him and grow. 
But sometimes people actually replace a relationship with Jesus for Bible reading or for going to church. He wants an encounter with you day in and day out, 24-7, every breath coming from Him. Amen? So I'm challenging you this week. Ask yourself, are there any idols in my life? Have I put anything else above Jesus? Bring Jesus into everything. Bring Jesus into your relationship with your, your spouse. Bring Jesus into the relationship with your children. Bring Jesus into your job. Bring Jesus into everywhere you go. And he'll make every place better. Amen? Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for the ministry of your Holy Spirit in our midst. What you're saying and doing, God, there's just so much for us to chew on tonight and to enjoy. Help us grow, Lord, and to know what this book is about.